Lord Ram went to Vanvas for 14 years. Gautam Buddha, he was in Bodh Gaya in Bihar, where he was born. That was sitting under a people tree. Shivji is associated with Kailash Parvat, again, nature and forest. Mm-hmm. And so that is where they achieved their wisdom, their knowledge, their skills, their path to, you know, becoming who they became. How to create a career which is rooted in compassion and regeneration of the land? How can our livelihoods respond better to the challenges of climate change by moving beyond denial towards graceful, united action? Can our careers and livelihoods help each other to become the sovereign leaders that our times are calling for? Pranipath, Namaskaram, Vanakam, a big hug and Suswagatam for our 7th episode of A Livelihood Podcast. On this show, we explore stories heroic journeys of an individual who took the courage to discover their swadharma and switch to more meaningful and lively career options in their life. Today, we are joined by a young energetic friend of mine, Swamil Daga from Delhi. He is a native plant gardener and a regenerative farming consultant. He offers his gifts and services with organic farming consultancy organization called Edible Roots. where he leads an effort to grow plants that belongs to Delhi's ecology. Over the last three years, he has developed various food gardens in and around Delhi NCR using sustainable farming practices. He has trained as a permaculture designer at Aranya Permaculture Academy in Telangana. Saumil is a plant person at heart and loves to spend time in forest, observing nature and its various interaction with and infinite interconnections. We are pleased to have you, Somil. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me on the podcast, Rajat. Thank you. Hmm. So, we'll begin. Uh, this is the common question that I ask many guests who come to the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us about three beautiful things about yourself. well um okay, i think um about myself i'm not in any show but i can tell you about three beautiful things that are happening currently in my life so one is um i make sure that i go into nature every day and that's the most beautiful part of my day um i explore forests around me um and i try and visit new forests or I go to the same place over and over again and see um how it changes over seasons because the forest has a character and it changes every moment every day over the season and over the entire year um, and that's perhaps one of the most beautiful things that are around that around us all the time and it's just you have to be in the moment to see it um Yeah, that's definitely on the top of my chart when it comes to the most beautiful thing that I do every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And beautiful thing about yourself? Um, 
I I guess I wake up every day with um you know this some kind of the fresh energy that keeps me going and I'm I don't know where it comes from but uh, I guess that's something um I'm blessed with I guess and I'm happy that I have it every day in the morning to just get up and and go for it and, and take it one step at a time Mm-hmm. And then I guys to, um, you know, follow what I have planned for myself. So then, mm-hmm. um, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you so much. Moving on, can you share brief about yourself? What did you study, and did you really enjoy what you were studying? Um. Yeah. So I, uh, like many many people in this. I studied engineering, um, and it was the result of I guess being in a schooling system which makes you choose at a very young age what mm-hmm. you want to become in life, um, and it trains you in twelve years to become something that and it limits your options to a lot of extent. Um, and so I picked up science and I went into engineering. I uh, spent about four years in engineering college, but mm-hmm. about a couple of years into it, I realized it's not what I want to do. And uh, most of my time used to go in extracurricular activities in college. So I became the president of the youth at trust club in in my college in the third year, and um, we did like seventy odd events that year, perhaps. No other club did that many events ever in, in our college, uh, and this included three plantation drives in Bangalore uh, and um, and the nearby areas. Then included blood donation camps. It had you know, multiple set of events mm-hmm. across everything to do with health and environment. Um, and so that wow. kind of passed something. And uh, at the moment I left. I completed my degree. Um, mm-hmm. I joined this fellowship called uh, Youth for India, which is run mm-hmm. by the State Bank of India. And um, you know, cutting a long story short, basically ended up spending about 13 months in Bihar because of the fellowship, and that totally transformed uh, my experience. Um, you know, it added us. Fresh perspective um, into you know imagine a young boy who's just come out of university, uh, sitting mm-hmm. perhaps for eight hours a day in, in a classroom surrounded by four walls and suddenly <laughs> dropped into the heart of India in you know massive fields that are like there's no wall to be seen anywhere. So mm-hmm. that was a completely transformative. Kind of experience that I put myself into, and uh, then there was no looking back. I mean, one after the other, I was exploring new fields. Um, wasn't I'm still not let's say like a in a stable position, but uh, that's not only the exciting part. Is the exciting part is to learn and something new every day. Nice, good one. 
Can you share a little about the work that you are currently engaged in? Right. So right now, um, I what I basically do is that I do something that's called ecological restoration, and that basically means that let's say you have um, a degraded piece of land somewhere around you. Mm-hmm. Uh, um you know lot of lot of times these days you you if you're walking by or you're on a cycle or you're driving around you'll see okay here's a wasteland that looks like you know there's some kind of a dump yard or it's like an abandoned piece of land um which has nothing on it it looks like a scrub often times there are you might find like dry plants at least here in delhi often times you find these dry scapes um, because of the nature of the climate here. And the question I ask myself is, was this place like this here? You know, was it like this always? Um, Mm -hmm. And so ecological restoration means that you try and find find out what Mm -hmm. it was like. Um, Bulk of the places Humans have shaped and changed um, over the last hundred, two hundred, and more years. But before that, what could it could it have been like? Um, a lot of times, we find that most of the places were forests, and because of our actions and the actions of other animals, and mm-hmm. of life changed, these things have degraded and have completely disappeared. So what we do is that we try to restore it. It is where the term restoration comes into. Um, so yeah, that's what I do right now. And that mm-hmm. is more multiple things. Wow. Are there any current projects that you are involved in right now in during the pandemic and also now? Yes, so there are two projects that are ongoing. Um, one is the native plant nursery which you mentioned um, that basically started out three years ago when me and a friend of mine mm-hmm. we would just um, after our usual day or sometimes in between our usual day with edible roots um, mm-hmm. we would just walk around in, in parks in Delhi and try and learn about trees um, using a lovely book called Trees of Delhi you just take the with a field guide, you just take it around and go anywhere in Delhi and you look at the tree and you try and find out what it is looking at its features. So we would do that and sometimes you'd find that some trees um, are in fruit at the moment and, and therefore they have seeds inside them. And mm-hmm. sometimes you just pluck out, you know, uh, some fruit and take out a few pods and keep a bunch of seeds in our pocket. Come back to our farm, edible root um, farm back then, and we would just, you know, plant them out in the raised beds or nursery packets or something and see, okay, we'll see what happens. And slowly, slowly, um, it started becoming, you know, first we had a set of 50 plants and we became 500 plants. Mm-hmm. Uh, 5,000 plants and now we have about 30,000-40,000 plants that we are growing in the nursery about 40 to 50 species uh, 
Wow. And, yeah, mm-hmm. and it's uh, quite sad that this case, the forest department in Delhi doesn't recognize trees that belong to Delhi. Uh, by which I mean that, <laughs> by which I mean that, um, you know, like humans have evolved, plants mm-hmm. have also evolved over millions of years, more than what, you know, the human history, uh, evolution history is, plant evolution history is millions of years longer than ours. And plants have evolved over these thousands of years to adapt to a particular kind of soil, temperature, moisture regime, climate regime, um, mm-hmm. and therefore, even within Delhi, you would find different microhabitats. For example, the ridge, where there's a rocky mountain, you'll find only particular kind of species that grow in thin soil, as opposed to close to Yamuna, where you'll find, you know, plants that thrive in, in deep alluvium soil. Um, mm-hmm. So it's mind-boggling that the forest department doesn't know these things and there's not one nursery in Delhi that grows these plants. We, we tend to despise them, dismiss them as uh, thorny, jungly plants, you know. So, are sahab, ye to kaantedar paudhe hai. That's how they dismiss them. And we realized this over the course of the last two years as we started growing these plants. That hey, you know, here's a beautiful tree tree. Why isn't anybody growing it? Um, and so we, yeah, so it was a matter of like just observation and, you know, picking up a few seed and planting them up. So that's one of, in fact, the main projects right now um, that I'm involved with. And the other is someone private land, about 20 acres outside Delhi, which, um, which is, well, you can say that's my first restoration project. Um, mm-hmm. We just started last year, so I'm fairly new into this field. Um, so we're happy to find a client who said, okay, yeah, you know, you are young boys who are interested in this kind of, uh, you know, like an odd, something new kind of field. So I'm happy to engage you and see where it goes. So you're like, yeah, thank you so much. We took it up. So just this monsoon, we completed the first round of planting. I took out an hour 
um, every other day to walk in a park, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is what usually everybody does. Everybody likes to walk in parks, you know. I just did it with a book, and <laughs> you know, and I found mm-hmm. out, learned about things. Um, I was inspired by someone um, mm-hmm. to do this. Um, a friend who, who brought my attention to this, and but I was it happened because I was open to the idea. And oftentimes I find these days like people like us, you know, youngsters, because we have been trained um, to think in a box from mm. a very early age. You know, we have been told to make choices. Um, so. Don't make any choice. Just, just be there in the moment. Be present, and there'll be so many things, so many things happening around you that you know, definitely something will come by, and you're like, okay, yeah, hey, this is something that really interests me, and I can do something with this. Um, and and, and that's mm-hmm. my only, that's my only advice. You know, there's there are no particular steps you can follow, but. Mm-hmm. All you need to do is be in the moment and be present and be open to everything and challenge yourself. Don't surround yourself with people who think like you, but make sure you meet people who don't think like you at all because mm-hmm. that's the only place um, where you will learn something new and grow. Otherwise, you know, um, <clears throat> yeah, otherwise, you'll only be in that bubble. Wow, this reminds me of a friend who said me using fiction as a medium of learning, and not to get too, like you mentioned, not to get too comfortable where you are and always challenge your limits. Really inspiring. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd said that the risk of being a little philosophical, but I guess the question was mm-hmm. also philosophical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and. Somil, what's the scope of the work in this space? Um, so, in terms of scope, let me be honest. Right now, I think um, at least in the ecological restoration work, it's a very small tribe of people who are doing this. There's um, there's a couple of projects that have happened in Rajasthan. Um, there's something that happened down south in Pondicherry, Kerala, and you know, in Delhi, of course. There's some amazing projects that uh, are taking shape, mm-hmm. but it's a small type of people, and amongst all of them, you know, I'm also a beginner, so amongst all of them, there's a few square kilometers of forest patch that is being restored. Um, but um, perhaps it will be useful to know that 2021. Till 2030 has been declared as uh, the United Nations decade for ecological restoration, and perhaps you know this will start pushing this thing up a bit more. Mm-hmm. And, and definitely in the near future, there's a lot of scope because a lot of focus is now shifting towards uh, climate change and mitigating and adapting to it, and that involves definitely preserving, protecting. And restoring um, our ecologies and by and you know preserving biodiversity. So yeah, I mean, 
so i can say for now um, i i don't know in terms of of course there are no jobs in this right now uh, mm-hmm. people doing it by themselves learning it and mm-hmm. so yeah mm-hmm. uh somil why didn't you choose to do a 9 to 5 job and uh, i mean how did it all start what motivated you to choose this path i did do a 95 i i job and this happened after my fellowship um, i decided that okay you know i have done this fellowship now and i'm i'm a young boy and i just explore everything so so i said yeah part of exploration is also to see how how one feels like in a 95 job unfortunately in my case it ended up being a 9 to 10 job so wow <laughs> those were some really and i was there for about one and a half years um mm-hmm. so the consulting job in the field of sustainability is um and that's what got me there in the first place i don't think i would have taken up something that wasn't related to sustainability uh, environment in any other way but even then it was a consulting job and you know basically you end up making uh six kinds of reports mm-hmm. and you you tell people this is what you need to do to reduce your carbon footprint and water footprint and energy footprint and you get paid six kinds of money and uh, nothing happens on ground and it all goes somewhere else so mm-hmm. and this has been the problem of the development and environment sector that so much goes into studies it's important but a lot of work goes into research that's not even needed um it can be channeled you know in in a much better manner so i did that work and yeah it, it was in my cup of tea so i can i realize this is something i'm never going to do again Mm-hmm. Uh, unless it absolutely required, you know, uh, mm-hmm. that's the last thing I would at least a kind of desk job where one has to sit in front of the computer all day. Um, mm-hmm. And I, and just after that, I opened my eyes to farming and observing nature and sitting in front of the desk. I think is totally out. Totally <laughs> <laughs> after after being in. different extremes yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. lovely how has your family responded to this uh, of you pursuing an alternative path and how have you engaged with their anxieties and concerns if at all they had any so i uh, probably one of the lucky few who blessed with uh, a family who always told me do what you want to do Um, mm-hmm. At least after I gained independence in my thought process, it wasn't the case earlier when I was in school, um, and I and it's not to blame them, but even they had a limited outlook. Now, of course, because they only know one way. Yeah, you send your kid to a school, he has to spend his study with five, seven subjects, and that's how it goes. Um, but for them to be able to and 
and I think that okay, I might, I'm just gonna go down from here. At that point in time, I asked, I said, but what if you do this, and what's gonna happen in the end? You know, are you really is there anything to lose? Are you going to lose anything by by doing this today um, and taking this decision? And the answer is always. Yeah, man. There's nothing to lose, really, um, and and therefore that that keeps me going, um, you know. And uh, I I think mostly it's um, self doubt is something that arises and clouds your brain. And that moment yeah. it's always good to take your time off and clear the cloud away, and you'll always see sunshine coming back. Um, it's just something that your brain keeps telling you back. You know, it's, yeah, your brain is just always gives you back the same questions again and again. And uh, it's not that hard to work around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh... Moving on, uh, how are you supporting your learning and passion? So, as I told you, that um, at least in the in the field that I am in, um, there's learning every day just mm-hmm. by being out there um, because everything, you know, nature is slow, but nature is also learning fast. So. <laughs> so every day there's something new to look at, <clears throat> you know. Um, for example, the other day uh, there's this plant uh, from the hibiscus family, and it seeds has just opened up, and it's an annual. It's annual meaning that it dies mm-hmm. down in the winter, it drops its seeds, and then the rainfall is sprout up again from those seeds. Um, and so its seeds has just opened up. And we had these like white cottony things around the seeds, and the seeds were themselves black. And it was beautiful, like the sun was, the morning sun was, um, kind of reflecting off the the white cotton wing kind of part of the seed. And I was like, oh, hey, there's you know, some tiny pickles. So I went there and I plucked it out, mm-hmm. and suddenly I saw in my hand. Millions of small little insects just coming out from underneath that white cotton, you know, kind of thing, kind of thing. I'm like, oh, I disturbed like a whole bunch of, but to the naked eye, you don't even know it's there. And so, so my learning is supported by just constantly observing things and clicking them mm-hmm. with a phone camera coming back. Looking at what it is, um, like what time of day I recorded it, uh, what did the insects look like? Do they have a relationship with this plant? And ecology is all about like connections, interconnections between plants and animals, different plants and soil and water and you know fungi and mosses and ferns and lichens and you know all kinds of things. So it's a bit overwhelming. You know, there's too much to learn. <laughs> 
are just learning every day, you know, and it's supported by just being there. And there's a lot of resources that one can look at. Um, yeah, for example, I already told you about a, a, a tree guide for Delhi. Um, then there are a lot of online forums and groups that mm-hmm. are particularly targeted at, you know, like insect uh, identification group or butterfly identification group and you can post there and, you know, people will tell you, okay, hey, this is this butterfly and, and you can go and find out more about it through um, this Google and, you know, scholarly articles and whatnot. So, there's a lot out there and the only thing is just need to make time for it, you know. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah. and, and there's no other way. If I don't learn, then I, I won't move ahead. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Um, mm-hmm. You need to constantly be on the toes not just in your own field, I guess, but just generally in terms of awareness of what's happening around you. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So, curious to know, what are some of the skills that you have picked up outside of your conventional education after you... Everything. I think I didn't pick up any skill during my conventional education. The only skill I picked up during conventional education was how to pass an exam by studying two hours before the exam. Uh, <laughs> you know, gobbling mm-hmm. up all the shit from uh, whatever books and assignments and notes we made, gobbling it up and then vomiting it all out after two hours and Getting a nice mm-hmm. That's the only skill I learned till I was 20 years old, unfortunately. And then mm-hmm. after that, <laughs> uh, everything else has picked up is, uh, you know, actually skilled. So, yeah, of course, um, most of the things you already know by now, um, something to do with vegetable growing, vegetable farming, which I did with edible root. Now, a lot to do with trees and shrubs and plants of Delhi, how to grow them, basically. A lot to do with plants, how to tend mm-hmm. them, how to grow how to grow them, how to take, um, you know, uh, how just basically understanding them and what they like, what they don't like. So everything to do with plants. And then, um, right now I'm also... Um, trying to kind of slowly build up a supporting kind of writing skill. Mm-hmm. Um, so how can I write about plants and what, you know, maybe it makes people interested in native plants of Delhi. And um, so, so that's something that I'm slowly trying to work on. And... Of course, uh, you mentioned the beginning permaculture design, although I'm not um, doing that actively, but it's something I learned. Um, I was I spent some time at Aranya Farm, in Trump, mm-hmm. which is now almost like a permaculture academy of sorts. People go there to train about permaculture and permaculture design process. Um, but I think the true learning there will come once I... 
वन साइड एक अब प्रोजेक्ट चल रहा है which i haven't consciously been doing right now because this work the other work is taking most of my time and it requires a lot of time as well so yeah mm-hmm. wow thank you there's lots more i i would like to learn um for mm-hmm. example things like uh, natural building um which i i would like to learn when the time is right and by that that i mean i would love to have like a small place of my own where i might build an urban house you know that kind of a usual dream that people you often see everybody has is uh, but uh, those are you know kind of hand skills um, that i would like to pick up oh and recently i learned to cook chapati which i didn't <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'm that's really the one control the fires right amount of fires <laughs> yeah and i'm i'm also slowly picking up uh, cooking as a skill um, mm-hmm. and you know and, and and daily things man like i think those are the most important skills you can pick up everything to do with just uh, supporting your life yeah mm-hmm. you know
and and it loves to grow near water and that's where it thrives you know and just uh, in september <coughs> i was in jaisalmer one of the driest mm-hmm. places you can ever come across uh, it's mm-hmm. a nice place in india um and we were walking in this place called bada bag and um somebody had told us that you go to this place and find you really enjoy it okay yeah, let's we'll go there and see can you come across this the tallest arjun tree i've ever seen in the unlikely spot place because it's jaisalmer i was like what how is this even possible you know <laughs> so this that this that feeling of they're so majestic trees you know and they have a sense of peace and calm around them and you, i can just spend hours just sitting under the tree and looking at it and hugging it hugging it and smelling it and i don't know making love to it perhaps but <laughs> you know you know what i mean so that's what keeps me going <laughs> right well mm-hmm. can you share about your relationship with money Well, um, I I just see it as a means to achieve an end. Uh, just a very functional thing, you know. Like, um, you eat food to to keep your body going. Mm-hmm. and money just to make that food available you know that's what i mean by function so basically knowing uh mapping out what i your needs and um a can you fulfill them by any other means instead of money if that's mm-hmm. possible then um perhaps working towards that first and if that's not possible then you know putting an amount to it and then you know coming up with okay yeah, this is what this is the amount of money i need and um, and just earning that much and not more you know i don't know why people um accumulate wealth in the form of a piece of paper and now mm. they, you know a piece of electronic device which is the paytms and upis and whatever um but yeah um, i i think wealth money is only a part of your capital there are there are all these other kinds of capital um social capital you know relationships that you build and you forge um and you know interconnections and i think that really will make you rich and not money so that's how i look at money and i i'm and less to have you know a family which has enough money i guess so um i don't think too much about it as of now mm-hmm. yeah money is not on my mind <laughs> you know <laughs> mm. can you shed some perspectives on forest 
related to indian context i mean related to indian philosophies why forests were considered as sacred and uh, yeah why why at all anyone want to work again on ecological restoration right um so in the indian context i mean i i so i haven't read a lot of mythological texts or you know our epics um but there are these references that you can think of for example <clears throat> you know um lord ram went to one vas for 14 years mm-hmm. he spent 14 years in in a forest mm-hmm. um gautam buddh you know he was in bodh gaya in bihar uh, where he achieved jahan pe unko bodh hua where he achieved um, that was sitting under a people tree um shivji uh, is associated with kailash parvat which is a mountain which is again again nature and forest mm-hmm. um and so that is where they achieved their wisdom their knowledge their skills um um their, their path to you know becoming who they became and we instead tend to go into into temples and and masjid and you know and into gurudwaras and worship these people instead of looking at actually where one needs to go and worship i mean we need to worship our you know that we we revere like 600 year old temples or 500 year old temples but mm-hmm. perhaps there's a forest around you that's thousands of years old you know i'd rather go there and pay my respects and sit there and you know worship anything i want to so that's how i look at it um there's also the other in terms of like you have you you might have heard of like sacred groups you know there are um uh, for example there's a just outside delhi there's a forest called mangar bani um and that's a sacred grove that's been protected by the villagers around it for you know for a long time now and um they protect it because they are de- they're not just dependent on it but they see it as their home you know mm-hmm. um the forest and anything anyone and they protect it fiercely through powerful people you know um real estate agents you know people and sometimes they have to really like face bloody violence you know to protect the forest but they do it in rajasthan you must have heard of uh orans mm. these are again um patches of land um that 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 you that you will find in different places in rajasthan which are old growth kind of forests now a bit degraded because uh, cattle often goes into them to graze but uh, you know people have been protecting forests around them for a while in punjab there are rucks called as rucks or beads they call it mm-hmm. uh, so you'll find these groves um, where you'll see really big trees really big trees but unfortunately only in very small pockets so yeah i mean it, and it's all over the world 
not just india in all of the world there's people who protect forests um, adivasis in madhya pradesh there i mean there there are people there are people who are directly related to forests you know like um, the adivasis who don't know anything else apart from forests and you know that was what we were also at some point in time our ancestors so yeah i mean i i strongly feel that there's no other way uh, if we keep changing our environment to our own perceived short term benefits then in the long run we are headed to our own doom you know and that's visible um the way the water table is going down the way we are polluting our air um, everything it's, it's destroying our own self our own body so there's no other way than to than to preserve and protect forests and and other natural ecosystems around you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. thank you thank you so much for sharing that in yeah. that elaine and if i missed asking you anything that you want to share with uh all the seekers who want to walk this path um <clears throat> no i think um yeah i i pretty much shared what i could um <laughs> in my what whatever i've learned picked up in my journey mm. so and if anyone wants to connect with you and know more about your work and i mean receive some hand holding in initial time uh, how can they reach out to you um uh, you can email me mm-hmm. um my email id is somil.daga s o m i l .d a g a at the gmail.com um and we can take it from there I, i'll i'll respond promptly to emails so super and i'm not on like social media so i can't <laughs> you know <laughs> no worries you point you there mm. yeah thank you so much for putting that out mm. right <laughs> thank you thank you rajat and rahul <laughs> <laughs> thank you all right okay bye bye bye